0: Today I will conclude, I will end my series on oil, talents, and goats. Oil, talents, and goats. I have worked diligently over the last several weeks on this message. God has given me a word for this church. The Lord has given me a word for you. I would like to ask you today, and even if you're a guest here today, this may be your first time here, however you fall into this category today, Uh, whether you're a saint, sinner, a passerby, whatever whatever category you fall in, I want you to submit yourself to this word today before I ever speak it. just, Just submit yourself to it because I believe that it is a convicting word. As pastor, sometimes I come with a great word and, 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 and preach you up. Sometimes i come and preach you down. But today i come to preach you out. Out of your comfort zone, out of your complacency, out of your apathy, I come to preach you out here. And uh, some of it you'll like, some of it you won't like. We're probably not going to have nobody running aisles today. I'll be too busy standing on top of both your feet. But just know this, that I am convicted by this word today. I believe in conviction. I do not believe in coercion. I'm not here to coerce you today. I'm here to convict you today. God needs to speak to us. Let me just turn with you very quickly to Matthew 25. And I will begin in verse 31. This is after Jesus says, Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory. Remember, this is an end-time message. This is an end-time word. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. And before Him shall be gathered all the nations, and He shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When did we see you as a stranger and took you in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when did we see thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall they say, also unto them on the left hand, somebody say the goats, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you didn't give me no meat, I was thirsty, you gave me no drink, I was a stranger, you wouldn't take me in. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was sick, I was in prison, and you visited me. Not. Then shall they also answer him, Lord. When did we see thee hungry? When were you thirsty? When were you a stranger? When were you naked, sick, or in prison? And did not we minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not unto the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. God, I ask you to help me today. Help us in this house today. Help us not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Help us all to submit to this word today. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory and honor. And would you look at your neighbor and say, Lord, help us. Someone shout in Jesus' name. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. So blessed to have Sister Harris's father with us today. Elder, is so blessed to see you in the room We honor you today. Love this man and love his spirit. And we honor you for being in the house today. Amen. It is good to note. Let me just switch up here. Check one. It is good to note that the disciples did not have what we have. The disciples didn't have a Bible. The New Testament wasn't written yet because those dudes wrote it. The only person that had revelation is the guy who wrote it. That's John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos. And when he wrote the book of Revelations, everybody else was dead. They could not see the end time from the perspective that we see the end time. They had no book of Revelation. They had no way to see what we see today. We are so honored today. We are blessed today to have revelation. First and 2 Timothy, Romans, Galatians, the book of Acts. They didn't have this stuff. They lived this stuff. So when the disciples look at Jesus and they say in Matthew 24, show us the signs of the times. These are not, this is not an evil generation seek at the sign this is a curious generation that wants to be ready I want to be ready tell us Lord how to be ready so the end time and if you want to go read Matthew 24 you can either go in your Bible and read Matthew 24 or you can turn on the news tonight and watch Matthew 24 totally up to you however you want to do it you can go read it or you can get a newspaper in the morning get a USA today and you can read Matthew 24 because everything that Jesus talked about In Matthew 24, it's happening right now. This is the end time. Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, no doubt, is an end time message. Matthew 24 gives the details of the end time. But then in Matthew 25, Jesus gives us parables that are a type and shadow of what it will be like when the bridegroom, the master, and the king comes. He tells a story about the bridegroom, which is a representation of himself. And he says when the bridegroom comes, there's going to be ten virgins. Five wise, five foolish. They all sleep. They all slumber. The only thing that makes one wise and one unwise is five of them had oil in their lamps. Anybody thankful that you got oil today? Anybody working on your lamp making sure you got oil? I want to be able to burn for the Lord. I'm not just here to look pretty. I don't want to just have a lamp. I want to have some oil in the lamp. I don't want to have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. I want to be what I say I am. Amen. There ain't no genie in my bottle, but there is some oil in my bottle. Somebody say amen. And then he tells of the master who has three servants. He gives one five, gives one two, gives one one talent as he goes on a long journey. This is a representation of him as he will leave and return again. He is giving us parables that give us an insight of what it would be like when he returns. And there will be some that had many talents and used them for the Lord and put effort and energy, and investment in what they did for God. And they turned five into ten, two into four. But there will be some because of fear. Somebody say fear. Fear. They hid it in the ground. They were afraid. They didn't want to get hurt anymore. They didn't like these people over here. They, didn't like these. they don't love me. They don't. Because of fear, they hid their talent in the ground. They didn't lose it. They just hid it. Because the callings of God are without repentance. And he said, those that are unprofitable, cast them in the outer darkness. Are you profitable for the kingdom today? What are you doing for the master? How are you working your talents? Because if you're just sitting there with your arms folded, not participating, not praying, not doing nothing at all, let me tell you, you're going to be in trouble in the end time. Yeah, this ain't revelation. There's no seven-headed beast in this story. But this is an end time message today. What are you doing for the Lord? How are you using what God gave you? Are you hiding your talents? Are you sitting on it? Have you hidden it in the ground because you're afraid? Oh, pastor, I'm just, I'm just embarrassed. I'm, I'm shy. I don't want to witness nobody because I'm shy. No, 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 listen. You don't have the choice. The choice ain't yours. You don't get to decide. The Bible says that after you receive the Holy Ghost, you shall have power to be. Oh, oh, that's a good word. Because we want to have power to be skilled, talent. we want to have power to be a preacher, power to be a, pre- whatever, we want to have power to be something. But the only power God gave you is the power to be a witness. And I don't care if you're shy, if you got the Holy Ghost, you're called to be a witness. Amen? Hey, I'm helping you today. I'm helping you. You're not going to hear this kind of preaching everywhere. You cannot fall into your personality and think you're going to be saved because that's just not who I am. God don't care who you are. He called you. And he does not call, he does not call the gifted. He gifts the call. He does not call the prepared. He prepares the call. He does not call the perfect. He perfects the call. So you may not have all the equipment that you need but if you'll just start, the Lord will do the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Just get in. Start working. Do something for the Lord. Where's your oil? Where's your talents? As Jesus is breaking down these three stories, representations of the coming of the Lord, this, this parable, these three parables that will show us the representation of the end time. He says, the king will come, and he will sit on the throne, and he will divide the nations. He will divide them as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Listen, do not be, do not be discouraged, and do not be dismayed, and do not be deceived. There will come a time of division. Watch this. Lord, show me this. And, and, and I'm going to say some stuff in this message that I didn't say at 9 o'clock. So if you're on the team and you were here for both services, you get you get a little extra. Um, the disciples, uh, the servants come to the master. They say, Master, we sowed the seeds. And, and when the darkness came, the enemy came in and, the, and they sowed. Tares among the wheat. And, and, and the servants, they said, Lord, let us go now and rip the tares up. And then I said, No, 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 no. Don't, don't touch the tears. Because if you tear the tares up, you'll actually damage the wheat as you do that. So let them grow together. You cannot, in the early stages of wheat and tear, you cannot tell the difference. You cannot see the difference between a tear and wheat. Only when it is mature can you see the defining difference. The, the Lord of the harvest says this, let them grow together, and then there will be a season of separation. And what is tear will be burned up, and what is profitable will be kept. Mark in your book today, there will be a division of sheep and goats. They're together right now. Sometimes you can't tell sheep from goats. All goats don't have horns. Sometimes you can't tell sheep from goats. Now, if you, if you know, and, you're tra- and you know, this, is, it's easy to tell, but there was always a separation from sheep and goats, and the end time will be a separating. The sheep will be on his right hand, and the goats will be on his left. And he begins to tell them what is that defining factor? He says, When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you came to my house and you visited me. When when I had no shoes, you put shoes on my feet. When I He begins to break down this this list and and, and the, the righteous, they say, Lord, when were you hungry? We We don't remember that. When were you thirsty? When when were you in prison? And he said, no, it wasn't me. It was when you did it for the least of my brethren. When you did it for those, you actually were doing it to me. Oh, so powerful. We have to be careful that we're not always trying to do some ministry for the limelight. My goodness. Let me tell you a story. One time, my father was sitting in our, my home church in Spring Lake. This was way back in the day when we had a small sanctuary. It was what we called a shotgun sanctuary. Anybody know what a shotgun sanctuary is? You could stand on the pulpit, look through the whole church, and see out the back door. And his office was just through the corner. And on Mondays, he would go, and he would get the offering, and he would put all the offering out on his desk. He would count, and he would sit in his office and leave his door open, and he could see all the way through the church through the back door. And he would do that because he knew he had cash out he didn't want somebody to surprise him he would lock the doors and stuff and so he was sitting there on a Monday morning and he he tells the story all the time but I remember it happening to him I was probably about 12 or 13 years old when this happened and he was sitting in his office one Monday morning and and he would always keep these two big containers and he would every Sunday he would pour all the change, loose change, into those containers and then sometime during the month he would just sit there one Monday and just count all that change out Every once in a while, he'd get me and my brothers to come and we'd all count change and we'd stack quarters and dimes and nickels. He'd take it all to the bank and, and, you know, deposit it in the bank account. And so he's sitting there and he decided, you know what, I'm going to go through this change today. And he has this whole desk and my dad had a big, giant wooden desk for many years. And he had all that change spread on the desk and he's sitting there and he's working and he, he looks up and there's a man standing at his desk. He's like, I know I locked the doors of the church. He's like, And how did he get from that back door to here without me knowing it? His first inclination was to say, get out of my office. Like, who are you? You know, like, anger. You know, like, how'd you get in here? He said, and when he went to open his mouth, the Lord spoke to him and said, you entertain angels unaware. And my dad said, how can I help you? And he said, I need, I can't remember the, the amount, but it was like $4.53. It was an exact number. And my, my father said that in this moment he realized this is, this is a God moment and he backs away from the desk and he says, whatever you want you can have. Take it all. Whatever you want. He said this man who had, who had never seen before, he could tell he was probably homeless, tell he was down on his luck. That man reached over that desk with all that change and counted out $4, the exact amount that he needed, put it in his hand, and said, thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Turned around in my father's office, and my dad watched him walk out the door of our church. And as soon as he got to the door, my dad realized, wait a minute, I need to, I need to get this guy. And I need to, you know, like, you know, my dad kind of had a Jacob moment. I'm going I'm to wrestle this guy until he gives me a blessing, you know, and so my dad, like, jumps up from his desk, and he runs to the front door, and our front door of our church opened up to, it's a large open area, and there was a main highway right here. So my, dad, my dad's like, it was seconds. From the time he touched that front door to the time I made it to that front door was maybe 10, 15 seconds. we get a small church. He runs to the door, opens the door, and the man is gone. He runs out to the edge of the road, and he's looking, and he, he, he doesn't see anybody. He's looking around and he looks up on the, on the light pole, on the telephone pole, and there's a telephone guy working on the telephone lines, and, and my dad could see him looking. And my dad's like, hey, where'd that guy go? And the telephone guy's like, well, he was here, and then he was gone. He's said, like, I'm looking for him too. I saw him. You never know. You never know whose soup bowl you may be filling right now. You know, there's not always a time when everybody knows what you're doing for the Lord behind closed doors. There, there's not always a crowd when you do ministry. This microphone is not ministry. This pulpit is not ministry. You can minister to anybody, anywhere, anytime, in any way, Just a smile in the checkout counter can be exactly what was needed in the moment to fulfill a purpose. A text message to a lost loved one may be exactly what they needed in the season, in the moment, in the time. You never know what God is setting you up to do. I went and preached at a church one time, and I'm going to just be a little transparent with you right now. I went to this church. I preached for several nights in a row. When I left the church, the pastor of this church, um, Put something in my coat pocket, and he said, "You really gonna like that." Which is code word for it's not gonna be good. I, I I drove several hours one way to be here. I preached several days The check was almost nothing. I I, I paid to be there, and my the, what it cost me in gas, you know, I paid to, to preach for this guy for three days, and and you know what, I was like, Lord, you know, I'm working for you. I ain't working for them, you know. I've, I've never asked for a certain amount of money. I've never given my, what my qualifications are, what kind of honorarium I need. You can ask my wife. I've never told anybody what I need to get paid. I just say, you know, whatever, whatever you feel. The workman is worthy of his hire, whatever you feel. Several months later, this man called me back. Hey, man, we'd love to have you come back. I, I would love to do a this, this, this. And he gave me some dates. And immediately I was like, I'm not going back. This guy, I mean, he barely paid me the first time. You know, you get me once, shame on you. Get me twice, shame on me. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's just flesh talking. Y'all sitting here looking all holy right now, but that's just flesh talking. Amen? That's just meat, you know. That's just court. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be busy. I wasn't lying. I mean, I could cut grass or something. I can be busy, you know what I mean? I'm going to be busy, you know. You got to give that pastoral, yeah, you know, I'm going to be busy. Um, and we hung up, and the Lord rebuked me. Next day in my personal time of devotion, man, the Lord was messing with me. Who are you working for? Oh, he was, oh, don't you hate it when the Lord be getting on you? I was like, come on, Jesus. I said, you know what? I called the guy back. I said, hey, man, I just had an opening. One line. I wasn't lying, you know. I did. I cut my grass the week before. So I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be there. And the Lord worked it out. You know, he said, hey, look, uh, there's another friend of mine that wants you at his church on Sunday morning. So the financial part of it worked out because the Lord always knows. The Lord knows what to do. But on my first night at this revival, I'm preaching. And there's probably like, I don't know. um, This is what's crazy. On the first night of that revival, something amazing happened. uh, And I'm going to tell you about. But the second night of that revival, Courtney received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Didn't she? If I hadn't have went, you know what I'm saying? Now be careful. On the first night of that revival, I'm preaching. I'm preaching. We're having, you know, we're having a, a move of God. And as I'm preaching, the Lord just kind of lights this lady's face up for me. And the, and the Lord says, she's going to kill herself tonight. What do you do with that? You know? How do you, how do you, I mean, do you just stop? you like, you need to. So. I went ahead and finished my message. At my altar call, I said, "Listen, I'm gonna call an altar call. I want you to come up." I said, "Somebody in here is contemplating suicide, and I know who you are." And I said, "I'm gonna. When I do altar call, I want you to come with everybody. But if you choose to sit in your seat and not come, I I, I will come. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm gonna give you an opportunity. But God didn't show me you for nothing. You know, God didn't show me this moment for nothing. Like this is real. And so she." When I did the first altar call, she came, and I went and prayed with several different people. I try not to, you know, make it so obvious, but I prayed with her. When I prayed with her, man, the Holy Ghost touched her, and I could just tell that God had done something in her. And, and I just moved on. You know, I don't need to know the story. I, I, that's not what. That's not what I'm here for. I just prayed, did what God wanted me to do, and I left. After the service over, I was outside. Me and my wife we were sitting outside. I was selling some CDs, connecting with people. You know, God bless you. You know, good to be here. Hugging necks, shaking hands, kissing babies, and the. The pastor came to me and said, hey, I need you in my office right now. And I was like, okay, you know, even, even as a minister when the pastor says, I need you in my office right now, you get that little tinge of, uh, I'm probably dead, you know. So I was like, okay, okay. So I went to his office. When I walked in his office, this woman was sitting there and one of his ministers. And he said, sit down, Brother Chavis. So I sat down. He said, I want you to tell Brother Chavis what you just told us. And she told me her name. And she said, I drive the church bus, the church van here at this church. And she said, tonight I had already turned in my keys. I already have a family in the church that's taking my kids home. And she said, I have everything in my house prepared to take my life tonight. She said, Tonight was my last night on this planet. She said, But tonight when you talked about that person was suicide, it was me. I said, I know. And she said, Tonight, you and the Lord saved my life. You never know how God's going to use you in a moment. I didn't go there for her, but I went there for her. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for how God was going to use me in that moment. Let me just say this tonight or today, and I'm, I'm not going to preach much longer than I've already preached because I, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Let me just say this. For the last several weeks, I've tried to, Lord, show me in the Bible what is wrong with goats. You know, like, like give me give me the... I see what you're saying here, sheep and goats. Like, like show me where the devalument of goats is. And I don't even know if that's a word. That's a, maybe a George Bush word, devalument. Just, just pretend like it's a real word. Just stick with it. Where, where, I tried to find something wrong with goats. But what I realized is that goats were so important to the economy of this time. When Jesus said sheep and goats, he was speaking to people who knew about sheep and goats. The only person in this room that I know of right now that is a professional about goats is Brother Cannon back there. Because he he used to raise goats hundreds at a time. I don't know, we don't deal with that kind of stuff, you know, like it's not something that we deal with. And as I begin to look up, you know, what's the issue with goats? Why are goats so bad, you know? What's wrong with that? And I, I started finding so much value in the goats. You know, they would use the goat skins for new wine. The goats had two types of hair on them. There was a type of hair that they could make uh, rough material out of. It was a rough hair, a rough wool. And they would make sacks, and, and, and they would make stuff to work with out of, those, out of, out of that, that abrasive, heavy wool of the goat. But the goat also had very fine hair on it as well. Different parts of the goat were used for different things. They would make clothing out of that, very soft. It was different parts. It was good for meat. It was good for milk. It was good. They would make cheese and milk out of the goat. The goat uh, milk was, was very prevalent in that time. It was very sweet, very safe. The goat was used heavily. Even if you go back to Leviticus, you'll see that they would choose two goats. Two. They would take two goats from, 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 from the, the herd and they would cast lots with the goats. And whatever lot, whatever goat the lot fell on, they would take that goat, they would slay it, cut it, kill it shed its blood, then they would sacrifice it on the altar, the fire would fall on it, they would consume that, and then they would lay hands on the other goat They would confess the sins of the people on the head of that goat, and they release that goat into the wild, and they called that goat the scapegoat. That's what Jesus was for us, the scapegoat. He took our sins on him. And we see that played out a type and shadow of that when there was Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus Barabbas. Y'all know Barabbas' name was Jesus, did you? Yes. Barabbas' name was Jesus. There was Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus Barabbas. And they said, give us Barabbas. The two goats. You see it all played out. And so I'm like, Lord, what is it about goats? They have so much value. So much talent, so much ability. The only thing I can find about goats, and I believe the Lord is helping me with this, is that goats are very stubborn. It's hard to herd goats. You put goats in a fence, they're very stubborn, they'll eat anything. Anything. They'll stick their head, any kind of hole they can find, they'll stick their head and get stuck. They'll do the same thing over and over and over again, even though they know it's going to be hurt. They're, <clears throat> and they're And they're very territorial. Goats. A lot of shepherds would keep goats among the sheep because even when an animal would come to attack, the goats would be the ones who would maybe try to attack back and fight back. Sheep would just run. That's why maybe in... In the book of Samuel, we see that uh, the lion and the bear came to, to for the herd that David was watching, and both times they took a goat. Because maybe when the sheep saw the danger, they ran from the danger, but the goat was like, Ah, oh, I can I can handle it. The goat's very strong and very stubborn. Comparing a sheep to a goat is almost like pairing, comparing a donkey to a horse. Both are valuable, both are used heavily. But the donkey is is not meant for riding. You, You lead a donkey. You put something on the donkey and you lead it. You don't saddle up a donkey. Clint Eastwood never rode a donkey in the town. John Wayne never showed up on a donkey. When Jesus came the first time, he came in riding on a donkey. But when the king comes back, he'll be on a stallion. I said, Lord, show me, help me with this. The Lord said, to really help people, you have to be humble. The reason that there's a difficulty for people to feed the hungry and take care of people that can't take care of themselves is because there's a lot of self-centeredness in the church today. And we're so worried about us, how we look, how we feel, how we Come on, I'm, I'm talking right now, I'm preaching right now. There, there, there's such an inward stubbornness in us that sometimes we cannot be humble enough to get down on someone else's level who may be beneath our... They don't look like me. They don't smell like me. They don't dress like me, but they need me. Yeah. You see, sheep are always humble, meek and mild. The sheep know the voice of the master. When the master calls, the sheep come running. Well, you can call a goat all day long. Man, ain't coming. Am I right, Brother Cannon? Am I right? Ghosts don't act like that. Ghosts don't come to the voice. Goats do what they want to do. Are they valuable? Yes. Do they have talents? Yes. Are they useful? Yes. But there will be a separation between sheep and goats one day. And that separation may just be the voice of the master. When that shepherd opens his mouth to speak, the goats who want to do what they want to do, they're so gifted, so talented, so useful, so valuable that they have made themselves God and not God himself. Ah, so good. I'm so right. I'm so righteous. I'm so, ah, I can't stand people in suits and ties that are so judgmental. Of other folks that don't look like them, don't smell like them, don't dress like them, don't, don't look like them. How can you feed the hungry if you don't have any compassion for them? And how can you feed the hungry if you don't have some kind of humility in you that would say, Hey, I remember when I was there. I remember when I was struggling. I remember when I was... My God, i got to continue. i got to go on. God's not looking for a church... Full of talent and ability he 's looking for a church that 's humble he 's looking for people listen god don 't need your talent he 's got all he 's good by himself god don 't need all your skills if, if if he was dependent on your skills, nothing would ever get done. God just wants humble people that'll be used anyway god i 'll preach or i 'll rake leaves i don 't whatever. I don't don't care about a badge. I don't care about a name. I don't care about a desk. I don't care about politics, position, or power. All I want is to help somebody that can't help themselves. Bless somebody that can't bless me back. It It is no mistake. Listen to me very quickly here. It is no mistake that the symbol for the satanic church is a go head. If you've ever seen the symbol of a satanic church, it is a go head in an upside-down pentagram, I believe it is. That is the symbol of Satan because it was Satan who said, I'm so pretty. Look at all my skills. You know what? I might as well be God myself. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils? Lord, we did many wonderful things. Depart from me, ye who work iniquity. I never knew you. You're going to the place I prepared for Satan and his angels. But the righteous are going to the place that I prepared for you. Don't go to a place that wasn't prepared for you. Hell has not been prepared for you. Hell has been prepared for Satan and his angels. That ain't your place. But you'll go. Let me just tell the story and I'm going to be done. In Luke chapter 11 If you want to go there, you can. But just listen to me for just a moment, and I'm finishing with this. In Luke 11, Jesus tells of a traveler. He's a traveler. Brother Heath, will you be my traveler again? He's already done this one time a day. He's a professional. Brother Heath, the traveler, just, just have a seat. You understand? The Bible says he's traveling at midnight. The only reason you travel at midnight in this time and culture is if something's wrong. These people don't travel at night. These people travel by day, by sun. The culture of this world that Jesus is living in is you don't travel at night. There's robbers at night. There's outlaws at night. It ain't like getting up in the middle of the night in Atlanta and driving somewhere. No, no, no. Listen, even today in downtown Atlanta, don't be out past midnight. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to read about you. But... Definitely in this man's time. Nobody travels at midnight. Only reason you travel at midnight is is if you have a need. He's traveling at midnight. He's traveling in the darkest time, in the darkest season. And he's traveling to a friend's house. He only knows this guy right here. Brother Chris would be, be my friend again today? He's a pro too. Have a seat. Sit up here so you're not sitting right behind that thing. Put a little separation between you and the traveler. The traveler is traveling at midnight. He's broken. He's scared. Whatever's going on in his world is not good. And as he travels at midnight, he travels to his friend's house. This guy. He knows this guy. But this guy. Has access to this guy, the Bryson Hewley. Come, come, be my this friend over here. Has a friend, but this friend here has access to another friend. The traveler says, "I'm traveling." I'm in need. He shows up at this guy's house at the most inopportune time. Listen, it's 2019. If you show up at my house at midnight, you may not see it, but I'm going to greet you at the door. Strap. Hey, good to have you. Good to come on in. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. They're strategically located all throughout my career. I'm just saying. I love you, but midnight is not the time to be showing up. He shows up at the most inopportune time. This guy right here doesn't have what he needs. He, watch this. He does not have access to him. He only has access to him. He's traveling. He's struggling. He's in need. He comes to his house at midnight. This guy right here wakes up at midnight, opens his door for his friend, and tells his friend, I don't have what you need. However, I have a friend. Wait here. This guy has access to this guy. He wakes this guy up and says, hey, I have need. One of my friends has traveled to me in the middle of the night. I have no bread in my cupboard. Oh, old brother Hubbard had no bread in the cupboard it's a blessing sometimes to not have enough. See, if you're a goat, you think that your talent and your ability and your skill and all your value could help this guy without ever exposing him to him. This guy has more than enough. Not only does he give him what he needs, but the Bible says he gives him three loaves. One for him, and one for him, and one for later. Somebody shout abundance. My God. You always get more than you ask for when you ask for somebody else. I wish I had a prayer in church. This guy doesn't know this guy, but this guy knows. This guy and this guy know who are you working with that don't know him, but they know you who are you connected to that? Don't know him, but they know you who do you have influence over that doesn't know him, but they know you You are the connection You are the key you are the thing that can turn their life around It all falls on us today I cannot. If I'm a goat, I'm over here worried about my trouble, my mess, my Instagram feed, all my stuff. I'm trying to be like y'all. I'm comparing myself amongst ourselves. And I'm so happy with what I have, but I want to give this guy all of me. Oh man, I got you, bro. Here's a dollar. I got you, man. I got you, man. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Instead of saying, "Hey, you know what? Silver and gold, have I none?" <laughs> But such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Woo! I wonder if there's some Brother Hubbard's in the house. I don't have what it takes, but I know a man. I don't have the skill, but I know a man. I don't have the word, but I know a man. I don't have the right thing, but I know a man. When will the church wake up and realize it's not about us, it's about him. We got too many goats, suits and ties, suits and ties and egos. Who is on your job right now? What young lady, what young man, what person has already connected to you and said, hey, man, I I, I don't know, but, you know, could you just pray with me about this. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Who is already in your world right now? What, what loved one? What, what friend? What family member? What co-worker ha, ha, has already tried to get what you have and you've given them some advice out of your own spirit, out of your own knowledge? Instead of saying, you know what? You need to come to church with me next Sunday because I know a man. I want to introduce you. Silver and gold have I enough. I don't have what you need but I know a man. He has more than enough. He's got cupboards full. He's got more than you could ever imagine. This guy over here His only connection to him is him. And his only connection to him is him. And he distributed to the disciples. And the disciples distributed to them who were hungry. You're the connection. Listen, let me just remind you. This is an end time message. This is an end time message. What a tragedy to have my suit and my tie and all my credentials. And Lord, look what I've done. I've been, I've done this, I've done that. My God, I'm a woo. shabba, shabba, shabba. Prophet, deacon, elder, second presiding prelate of the apostle of the whatever, whatever to the second power. And the Lord look at me and go, uh, I don't even know you. I don't know you know me I don't know you because when I was hungry I didn't see you I don't know you because when I was thirsty I didn't see you I don't know you because when I was in jail you didn't come visit me I don't know you because I worked beside you for 15 years and you never mentioned Jesus to me one time I saw you reading your Bible in the break room why don't you ever say anything to me about it? I saw you, all your positions and titles and all, all your, but, but I was traveling at midnight. And my wife was leaving me and my, my kids were going crazy. And my husband had walked out on me in that most inopportune time. I was dying of cancer. I, I, I wouldn't even tell anybody. I was struggling. I was traveling at midnight. It was the darkest time of my life. And you were over here so fancy. You were so fancy. I knew you had something that I needed, but you never told me about this guy. If I would have known that you were connected to him, I would have ran to your house. I would have knocked on your door. Let me in. You know, when I was in Iraq, when I first got to Iraq, these guys over here, man, they called me preacher boy, choir boy, they laugh at me, joke at me, but you know what? Four, four of them, their wives cheated on them while we were in Iraq, and you know what these guys did? They came to me privately, and all the laughing and joking was over when nobody was around in the middle of the night with tears in their eyes, they said, man, pray for me. I know you pray. I gotta have. You know what, I, instead of me saying, oh, no, 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 you was joking me yesterday. You was laughing at me and calling me choir boy. No, you know what I did? I said, man, let me let me pray. Lord, Lord, touch my friend. Touch him. I can't imagine the pain he's going through can't imagine the fear in his heart. can't imagine the anger that he must feel. God, help my friend. And the same voices that had jokes were the same voices that said thank you. I had a chance to come home when I first got to Iraq. They called me. A congressman that was connected to my father had signed a piece of paper that was going to allow me to come home from Iraq. They came and got me out of my tent this is not a story I tell everywhere. It's not a story I tell at all. I don't tell the story a whole lot because I don't like to be... Bra- but I want to just show you something. They came to me and they brought me to, a, to a, an office and they said, hey, look, here's the paperwork. Here's the congressman. You can sign this paperwork. You can be in Germany next week and be home in about three weeks. I looked at that lieutenant and I said, sir, do you mind if I make a phone call? I said, yeah, go ahead. I stood in line for over an hour. All kind of emotions in my heart. In Sand City, Kuwait. I stood in line for over an hour to get a phone. I finally got a phone. I called my wife. As soon as Amanda picked up the phone, she was crying too. I said, baby, do you know? She said, yeah, I know. I said, what do you want me to do? She said, baby, I think you should stay. I said, so do I. I can't leave now. I can't leave my brothers. I just can't. I don't feel it. I went back to that lieutenant, Big Red One. I sat in his office. I said, sir. I'm not going to sign this paperwork. He looked at me like a monkey doing a math problem. I said, what? I said, I, I appreciate this. And my dad's probably going to be so mad at me. I can't go home. He said, wow, unbelievable. He said, all right. He took me back to my, my place. I got the colonel alone. I said, sir, do you know what's going on? He said, yeah, yeah, you can sign it you know, when you're going home. I said, sir, I'm not going nowhere. I said, promise me, sir, look at me. Promise me you would not tell my guys. Because if they knew, they would have knocked me in the head and put me on that plane. They knew of my wife. They knew that my baby was six months old, and I had already missed the first six months of her life. Them boys would have knocked me in the head and I would have been on a plane to Germany. I said, don't tell them. Please don't tell them. They never knew. The night before we left, it was Christmas night, sitting in Balad, Iraq in a really nice, fancy little cafeteria. We're all sitting around, all 12 of us plus the colonel. We made it. We're here. We're going home, guys. Leaving tomorrow. We're excited. We got our, all of our fingers, all of our toes. You know, we, we know people that died over there. We're all here together. Man, we're so happy. We're eating together and the, we're celebrating. Man, we're high and This is awesome. The colonel says, guys, I got something I want to tell you. We all sit down and get calm. He said, you don't know this but I feel like you need to know this. he said Chavis could have went home I thought what are you doing right now sir let, 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 let this slide I don't need nobody. let this slide he said no he said, hey, he said you need to know that when we got here to Kuwait Court Chavis had a ticket home and he turned it down I feel like he deserves the honor. You all need to know that this man could have went home and been with his family. But he chose to stay here with me. One of the toughest guys in my unit, James Yenichek, one of the toughest dudes I've ever met in my life, strong leader, began to weep and cry at that table. And he looked at me and he said, thank you. He said, I could not have made it without you. The men at that table began to thank me, several of them, if not all of them, told me it was you, Chavis. Your prayers every day, every mission we went on, when Colonel would say, Chavis, pray. Every Sunday when we'd sit in chapel service with you and you play your guitar and sing a song, you gave us strength. Thank you for being here. You never know who you're influencing right now. I never knew those guys felt that way about me. If the colonel wouldn't have said anything that day, I would have never known that those guys felt that way about me. I would have never known it. But each one of them in their own way came to me and said, Thank you so much for not leaving us. Your spirit, your kindness, your commitment to God kept us in some dark, dark, dark times. You never know. You may not be in Iraq with somebody, but you're working with somebody. You live under the same roof with somebody. You're meeting somebody every Thanksgiving, every Christmas who's broken and wounded, and they're traveling at midnight. And they need somebody who knows him. You may not have to stand on a mountain and preach it, but just a kind word, just a prayer, just a voice, just consistency. Example. Could change the life. Thank you, brother, so much. Will you stand with me right now? I don't know if you're traveling. I don't know if... You know what? The Lord has shown me that sometimes even as saints of God, we travel at midnight. Even as saints of God, we we go to other saints of God and we tell them, hey, pray for me. And instead of trying to find all the words to say, just pray for them. Instead of trying to have all the advice... Sometimes I sit in that office and counsel with people. I don't have the answer. They tell me stuff, mind blown. Whoa, that's crazy. I don't know what to tell you. Let's pray. I don't have no words for you. All I know is that God can change it around. Sometimes the best thing you can have is nothing in the cup. Sometimes the best thing you can have It's not all these talents and abilities, all these skills. I don't want to be so gifted that I forget how to be humble. I don't want to have so many uses that I forget no matter how high I get. God said, the one that serves you, he is the greatest in the kingdom. Now I know Brother Healing, now I know why David said, Lord, make me a doorkeeper. I know what it's like to have the crown. I know what it's like to have the robe. And I've been through all that, Lord. Let me be the doorkeeper. Because I don't want the symbol, I don't want the symbol of greatness to become the symbol of Satan. I don't want my talent and gifted to lift me up so high that I say, I will make myself above God. I can do this thing by myself. Look at what I've done here. Look at, look at True Chapel. Look at how awesome. Can I just preach the court for a minute? Y'all can just be, be here for just a couple seconds. Here, let me preach to me. I don't want to get so high-minded high and haughty that I think that, oh, look what I've done here. My, this is just amazing. i have you know, just six and a half years ago, all these people, we got land, blah, 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 blah. Lord, help me. Remember, this ain't got nothing to do it. This ain't my church. This ain't my church. This is God's church. You're not my people. You're God's people. This ain't my sheep. You're God's sheep. I don't want to get so heavy, so haughty and high-minded that I just believe that I'm something great. I don't want the gifts that God's given me to turn into a symbol for Satan's power. Because Lucifer was gifted, valuable. Precious stones filled his body. He was so perfect. He was so perfect that his perfection went to his head. And he said, I will raise myself up. I want to remember who I am so that when I do meet someone who's hungry, I won't even blink. I'll say, here, man, how can I help you? What do I have? You know what? Silver and gold have I none? But such as I have. There's a time for a dollar in the hand of a homeless person. There's a time for a soup kitchen. There's a time to go pass out blankets and coats. And we, we, we do all that. and We're going to do more of it. Thank God for it. But who are you connected to right now who you can take by the hand and say, hey, let me introduce you to somebody over here. You don't know him, but I really have a personal connection with him. And I take that hand and I put it in his hand. Look what the Lord has done. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.